Hey, this is Lee Snow, the preacher for the Warm Springs Road Church of Christ here in Columbus, Georgia. And you have found our podcast. We hope that this message inspires you, that it equips you, and that it builds your faith in Jesus Christ like never before. If you have any questions or you want to tell us your story, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out at any time. We are here for you. We're here for each other. And most importantly, we're here for the Lord. Hey church, you know, I'm not one to talk a lot about physical strength or dieting or anything like that. I don't really know a whole lot. I I do know a little bit about spiritual strength and I know that they're somewhat similar. Getting physically strong takes dedication and effort and eating the right thing and working out and so forth. Well, spiritual strength's really similar to that. So open up to James chapter four. Let's talk about how to develop spiritual strength. But real quick, before James tells us how to get spiritual strength, we first need to figure out why we need it. So James four, verse number one, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Do you desire, do not have, so you murmur. You covet and can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. First off, the reason why we need spiritual strength is because of self-centeredness. Everything is about me. I want my way. If you look out in the world today, I know that people are sacrificing tremendously because of this pandemic. But at the same time, you will find people who are spiritually, emotionally, and physically self-centered, even in a time like this. The reason why we need spiritual strength is because you and I are self-centered, focused on our own passions, on our own desires, and on our own lust. Now, number two, why we need spiritual strength comes in verse number four. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to to the humble. One reason why we need spiritual strength is because you and I, when the rubber meets the road, are self-centered. And number two, it's because because of our self-centeredness, we have a, a worldliness in us if we aren't strong in our faith, if we aren't mature in our faith, if we aren't exercising our faith, like Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 actually says. So now that we know why we need spiritual strength, because you and I are weak when it comes to the gospel sometimes, because you and I are weak when it comes to ourselves sometimes, we focus on ourselves instead of other people, and because we have worldliness. If, if you are a weak Christian, it is because worldliness has creeped into your life or you have yet to get it out of your life in the first place. So let's try to figure out what James has to say about how to become spiritually strong. It makes it pretty clear in verses 7 through 10. So let's read those. James chapter 4 verses 7 through 10. 
Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Rehumble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Okay, so number one, here's how to get spiritually strong. Number one, submit yourself to God. Voluntarily place yourself under God's control. Verse number seven, submit yourselves. Therefore, because of our need for spiritual strength, because of our worldliness and our self-centeredness, we need to learn how to humble ourselves. Many people will think that submitting to God means that I give all my hopes and my dreams up, that I, I, I no longer like the things that I liked before, that I have to completely become a new person. Well, the, the truth is that that might actually need to be the case if your dreams and hopes and the person that you are is so overcome by sin that you need to change who you are. But for the vast majority of people that obey the gospel and become Christians and submit themselves to God, they don't become new people. They don't completely change, but their ideas, their worldview, the way that they look at humanity and the way that they look at life in general completely changes. Yes, they turn from sinful ways. Yes, they turn from sinful actions. Yes, they turn from sinful thoughts, but but submitting to God means basically three things. Number one, you follow the plan of salvation. You follow how God has called you to obey the gospel 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, you follow the plan of how God has, has commanded or suggested or requested that you become saved from your sins, Acts 2, verse 38, Acts 22, 16, and so forth, and, and you obey his law fully. Revelation 2 and verse 10 says that we should live faithful unto death or in the face of death. If you and I are going to become spiritually strong, it takes humbling ourselves, submitting our lives to God so that he makes the decisions and so that I will live his law faithfully. Now, faithfully and perfectly are two different things. You can be faithful and still sin sometimes, but the idea is that your your life is now, your, your decisions are now becoming formed by the gospel so that eventually you're not having those instances where you fall from grace so many. You're not having those instances where you sin all of the time and that you constantly need forgiveness. It's okay to need forgiveness, but when you're submitting to God, he's making the decisions for you. And because of that, Romans 5, 3 says that we need to understand that his dealings are providence, that he's going to take care of us, that he's going to look after us. If, if you need anything, I'll leave a card uh, if you're watching on YouTube for last week's midweek study that talks a lot about that. Anyways, let's go on to number two. Number one, submit to God. Number two, resist the devil. Verse number seven, again, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The term resist is actually a military term that has to do with how you strongly resist an opponent. Let me ask you a question. Is your walk with God described as a militaristic conquest against sin? If not, 
You are not fulfilling James 4, 7 and resisting the devil. John 14 verse 30 says that he is the ruler of this world. And in fact, in James, look back at verse number four, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Well, the reverse of that is also true. If you make yourself a friend of God, you become an enemy of the world, an enemy of the devil. We need to be aware of his proximity. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, he's, he's always walking around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. By the way, I don't know about you, but if, if I hear a lion roaring in the distance, I'm going to stay as far away from that as possible, right? Well, 1 Peter 5, 8 doesn't say that he's sleeking around as a lion trying to get through the brush quietly like a lioness or maybe like a, a male lion would do when hunting. He's walking around roaring. You and I know where he is. We can see him. We can hear him coming from a mile away. We need to resist him. We need to look for his methods, look for him in instances, and get as far away from him as possible. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says this, So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. We're not ignorant. We can hear him coming from a mile away. So why aren't we militaristically fighting him on every front when it pops up in our lives. That's what resisting the devil really means. You you can't compromise with him. There's no compromise with the adversary. 1 Peter 5 and verse 9, after he says he's walking around like a lion seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 9 says, resist him Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Successful resistance requires firm footing. I'll bring you back to one of my favorite passages of scripture. My favorite stories in scripture is when David fights Goliath at the Valley of Elah. And Valley of Elah is called the place of blood. It's the place where if the Israelite nation was called out to fight in the Valley of Elah, that meant that either they weren't coming home that day or those people were going to be turned around from trying to attack Israel. In fact, the Israelite generals would say, choose this day the rock on which your blood will be shed. As if to say, over my dead body, the adversary, the enemies are going to get past this rock. That needs to be yours and my idea about Satan and the adversary and sin when it comes to my spiritual strength. If I'm going to be strong in the Lord, if I'm going to have firm standing, Philippians 4, verse 11, then you and I have to act as if we are a military fighting sin on the front lines. And I'm going to choose this day the rock on which my blood will be spilt. It's either me or Satan, and he's not going to win. All right, number three, if we want to have spiritual Strength. If we want to be spiritually mature enough to the point where we can get rid of our self-centered ideas, get rid of our worldliness, and follow closer to God, we, we need to draw near to him. It needs to be something that we're actively doing. Verses 8 and 9. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. 
Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. We have to actively seek him out. It's not enough. It's not enough to say, I know where sin is and I try not to sin. That's great. But if you're not actively trying to go closer to him, you see, I think a lot of Christians become lackadaisical in our faith and our belief and in our faithfulness to him. And we say, as long as I don't sin, then I'm doing good. And we want to get to the end of the day where we can sit back and we can think and say, I didn't sin today. And that means that I get to go to heaven. And that's just not true. You and I have to be actively searching for him, working towards him growing closer with him. If you've been a Christian a, a day and a half or a century, you need to be actively growing closer to him. The beauty of this book is that you're never going to get to the bottom of it. The beauty of Christianity is you're never going to become perfect at it. That's the point. And he built that into the faith so that you and I can constantly be growing closer to him. We need to submit to him and allow him to make our decisions. We need to fight sin at every possible instance. And then we need to actively be looking for areas and ways that we can grow closer to him. Well, how, how can I grow closer to him? Well, uh, I know it's kind of cliche, but if you want to get closer to him, you need to listen to what he has to say. You need to pick up this book every now and then and read it. You, you need to actively be worshiping with the saints on Sundays. You need to actively be watching videos like this on midweek, Wednesday nights, and so forth. Find a couple YouTube channels. In fact, I'll put a couple YouTube channels that you need to subscribe to down in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. But if you're going to draw near to him, you need to be actively studying and getting closer to him. Increase your prayer time. Don't make it as if it's a, a formula, but maybe say, I'm going to pray 20 minutes longer today than I did yesterday, or I'm going to pray one more time today than I did yesterday, but actively be looking for instances where you can grow and you can get closer to him. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit bringing holiness, bringing holiness to completion in the respect of God. We need to bring our holiness to completion. We need to realize the enormity of sin. We need to realize that we need to become wretched and mourn and weep over our sins. And the only way to do that is to put ourselves in the mindset of God who is looking on you and seeing when you sin. I don't know about you, but that's terrifying to me. It's It, it, it takes the, the bottom out of my stomach when I think about God is watching me sin. We need to be afflicted. We need to be upset about those instances. And we need to look for instances that we can grow closer to him. Back to 2 Corinthians 7, now verse number 12. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation. Without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Number four, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. James 4, verse 10. We need to submit to him. We need to resist the devil. 
We need to get closer to him, allow him to make our decisions, fight sin at every instance like a military going in on the front lines. Look for instances where we can grow closer to him and love him more and allow him to speak into our lives more. Number four, all of that is going to take humility, real, true, godly humility. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. If you want to be lifted up out of sin, lifted up out of your self-centeredness, lifted up out of your selfishness and your worldliness, you have to submit to him. You have to humble yourselves. Now, I know that it sounds strange that he started the list or the passage with submitting and then he ends it with humbling. That's the point. It begins and ends with putting him in the driver's seat of your life. I don't want to be cliche, but you remember the old song, Jesus Take the Wheel? Maybe we need to think more about that song. I don't like the song for many, many different reasons. But maybe we need to think that kind of mentality every now and then. It begins and ends. If you want to get rid of your self-centered worldly thoughts, if you want to become spiritually strong and mature, it begins and ends with putting him in the driver's seat of your life. It begins and ends with a proper view of yourself. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. The whole reason why God made us was to fear him, to respect him, and to keep his commandments. We need to realize that we were put on this earth not to complete a job, not to get married to this person, not to go and travel. You were put on this earth for one specific purpose, and that is to follow Jesus Christ. You and I were saved by God's grace, Ephesians 2.8. We had nothing to do with our salvation. We could not add one wit, as people say, to our salvation. We submitted ourselves to his plan. We allowed God to, to teach us how he wanted us to live and act and worship and be his people. And he saved us because of that. Everything that we have that is good comes from him. The book of James even says it. James 1 and verse 17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he will always be there for us if, if we'll look for the chances to become spiritually strong. If we will begin and end with putting him in the driver's seat, if we will begin and end with understanding who we are and why we're here, and we will fight with everything that we have to get rid of our sin, and we will look for instances where we can grow closer to him. That is how you humble yourself. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. If we try to put ourselves in the position of God over our lives, which you and I do a lot, let's face it. If we do that, then he is going to humble us. And he's going to bring about the realization that we are caught in our self-centered ways, that we are caught in our worldliness. And if we'll pay attention to when he's telling us that, 
then we will work to become spiritually strong. Listen, spiritual strength is, is no secret. It requires hard work. It requires bearing your cross daily, Luke 9, verse 23. It requires everything that you have because it is every reason why you have it. Let's pray. Lord, please help us. We, we want to become stronger in you. We want to learn more about who you are. We want to become faithful Christians, and we need your help. Father, we pray that you will show us instances where we can grow. Father, we pray that you will help us to fight the devil and our, our adversary at every chance that we can, like a military on the front lines. We thank you for knowing that you will. We pray that you will give us the ability to, to fight the fight. In Christ's name, amen.